Amen. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Alex, um, former elder, taking a little break from that right now, but I still get to come up here and go through the word with you guys every now and again, so we're going to do that today. Um, so right now, we are going through a series on God's view of current events, um, and when Derek asked me, you know, like, hey, do you have anything that you might want to teach on along those lines, I immediately went to the image of God. Um, what does it mean when we say that somebody is made in the image of God, and, and why does that matter? And so today, we're going to be answering those couple questions. Um, I want to start off with a, a quote that really kind of sums up the message today. Uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand said, all of Western Christian civilization stands and falls with the words of Genesis, God made man in his image. And I would expand that to say really all of civilization. Um, but you see, he, he specified Western Christian civilization because he had just been forced to flee from the Nazis in 1933. And so he had this absolute collapse of morals around him that he was witnessing. And he knew that the answer to that was to look at the truth of what does it mean to be made in the image of God and to understand it rightly. And I specify to understand it rightly because Hitler, who he was fleeing from, used that phrase as well. He said in his autobiography, Mein Kampf, whoever would dare to raise a profane hand against that highest image of God among his creatures would sin against the bountiful creator. And when he used that phrase, image of God, in his mind, that meant the Aryan race. So we not only need to understand what does it mean, we need to understand it rightly so that we can apply it correctly. So today we're going to answer that question and we're going to be, we're going to be, this is like going to be drinking from a fire hose here. We're going to be running through the Bible. There's no really like one verse in the Bible that defines the whole thing. So um, we'll have the verses up here. So don't feel like you got to flip to get to every single one of them. But um, I want to start off with, I'm basically going to tell you exactly what the destination is today. Because this is going to be a bit of a trip here, I want to make sure we all end up at the same place. So there's two points that I want us all to walk away with today. The first of those is humanity as a whole and each individual that makes up humanity is worthy of the utmost dignity, respect, and honor because God declared it so. The second point that I want us all to walk away with is Jesus is the perfect image of God and believers are being made to look more and more like him. So that's where we're going to end up. It's going to be a little bit of a wild ride to get there, but we'll get it. So let's, uh, let's start with prayer because that's really the only way we're going to get here. Father, we uh, just thank you for this time to be together this morning, to be in your word and to look at this beautiful truth that you outlined just right at the beginning of your word, Lord, this foundation of humanity, God, that we are made in your image. Father, just give us clarity on this today, Lord, and help us to see every single person around us as worthy of honor and respect. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So to get to this destination... First thing we've got to do, we've got to define our terms here. So what does it mean to be made in the image of God? So we're going to start off right at the beginning. Genesis 1, 26 to 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion 
over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So this doesn't really give us a definition quite yet, but it starts pointing out that there's a uniqueness here. So when God created everything around us, right, he spoke things into being, he spoke the animals into being, he spoke the light into being, all of these things. But then we see a uniqueness. God kind of took a step back and within the Holy Trinity conferred together and determined, you know what, no, this one creation, though man, we're gonna make man in our image. And we see even more of that when we go to Genesis 2.7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So we saw all of these things spoken into being. And then we see this intimate creation on the other hand. God by hand formed man and breathed life into him. So we see man as unique. We see humanity as unique within creation. So the animals, you know, they can be a wonderful testament to God's creative power. The mountains can speak of his glory and his majesty. The heavens can speak of that as well. The sunset, we look at the sunset and we know God is beautiful, right? But all of these things speak indirectly of God, whereas man is a direct representation of God. So while creation can speak indirectly of God's glory, man is designed from the very beginning to be a direct representation of God. So we see, we see a uniqueness here in Genesis, but we still need to really define what does it mean to be made in the image. And like I said before, there's really no one verse we can go to that just says this is what it means. So we're going to look at a couple. We're going to start in the Old Testament. And looking in the book of Daniel, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians had taken the Jewish people into captivity. So the people of Jerusalem have been captured. They're in Jerusalem, and King Nebuchadnezzar sets up this golden statue in his likeness. And it says here in Daniel 3, 4 to 6, telling all the people who are in Babylon, including those Jews, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. So we see this statue that is set up to look like King Nebuchadnezzar. And it's not just a likeness, right? There's actually a penalty for not worshiping this statue. It is basically made tantamount to not worshiping Nebuchadnezzar. So any sort of penalty that would come with not falling down and worshiping the king is inferred into this statue. So the statue actually carries the weight that King Nebuchadnezzar inferred upon it. It is more than just a statue in this case. And we see something similar happen in the New Testament. In Revelations 13, there's, there's two beasts that come, and we're not going to spend any time going into what does this actually mean, what do these beasts represent, but we see these two beasts, and the second one, it says in Revelation 13, 15, was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, that is the image of the first beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. 
So we see again this link between not worshiping the image and not worshiping the one behind the image. They are linked together. And the penalty for either one of them is the same. And so we're going to, for our working definition here today for the idea of what does it mean to be made in the image of God, we're going to say to be an image bearer is to carry the full weight of the one behind the image. Now, weight is kind of an abstract concept, right? But we all know what it means when we say, well, that person's word carries weight, right? That person's word carries weight because it, there's power behind it. And so when we say that somebody is an image bearer, we are saying that they carry the weight of the one behind that image. In fact, the Hebrew word for glory, there's a strong link between the word glory and this idea of an image within scripture. And the Hebrew word for glory actually has a root that means heavy. That's what glory is, it's heaviness. Now there's a slight difference though, right? We gotta clarify, we don't, as King Nebuchadnezzar set himself up above the people and the people were down here and had to worship him, right? We don't worship other humans because we are not above other humans. God set up his image up here and we are all made in it. We are all horizontal on the same plane here. And so we, we don't worship other humans, but we do treat everybody around us with the, the same honor, respect, and dignity that we would treat God with because we are made in his image. He is the one behind this image. And so to honor the image is to honor the one behind the image. And to dishonor the image is to dishonor the one behind the image. So we've got our, our working definition here. It's to carry the weight of the one behind the image. But how does that actually manifest itself? So we've got this abstract concept. What does this actually look like? The perfect place to look is at Jesus with this one. Hebrews 1.3 tells us, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he, meaning Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. And John 12, to 46 tells us, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. The emphasis in these verses is that Jesus is the perfect representation of God. He is the exact image of God. And so if we want to know what it looks like to be made in the image of God, we look to Jesus. He was made in the, or we were made in the image of God that, show, that is shown in Jesus. And so while we are all images of God, Jesus is the perfect and sinless representation of that image. So Jesus is the ultimate and exact image of God and the model believers are being transformed into. And this is clarified in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to, the, to another. We're being changed into that perfect image if we are believers. 
Now, does that mean that unbelievers aren't made in God's image? Absolutely not. Every single person is made in God's image. But believers are being transformed into that perfect image. Kind of a, a visualization that came into my mind to, to represent this is, you know, in London, right, they have the crown jewels, right, these priceless, invaluable objects that are held within very, very tight security behind this glass case. Jesus represents those crown jewels perfectly. For us, it's kind of more like they're behind this glass that's been shattered a little bit, got some fractures in it, kind of cloudy, hasn't been cleaned in a while. But the crown jewels are still there. Every single human has those crown jewels that are the representation of God's glory. And so you, me, everybody around us, unbelievers and believers alike, have the dignity and are the crowning glory of God's creation. But believers, when we put our life, when we give our life to Jesus, that glass, he starts cleaning it up. He starts repairing it. Those fractures go away. And you can see the jewels for what they really are. You can see the glory of those jewels. Now, one thing we've got to answer, and where many have gone astray with this, and, it, and it's where Hitler went astray with his idea of what it meant to be the image of God, is there's an idea that during the fall, that image was broken. Those crown jewels were broken. They were distorted. But if that's the case, then that dignity is also distorted and broken. And if we look back to Genesis 9, 6, this is after the fall. God says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. There's no qualifier that God gives to that. There's no qualifier to the image of God. It's just purely God says, I made man in my image, therefore, and that's it. It doesn't have anything to do with how smart somebody is. It doesn't have anything to do with how kind somebody is. It doesn't have anything to do with physical ability. None of that. It is purely based on the declaration from God that we are each made in his image. And so as Christians, we base the worth, value, and dignity of each human being on nothing more and nothing less than the declaration from God that we are all made in his image. That's it. There's no qualifier. God gave no qualifier there. We will never put a qualifier on the value of a person outside of the declaration of God that they are made in his image. Every human being is a part of the crowning glory of God's creation. You, me, that person at work you can't stand, every single person is made in the image of God and is the crowning glory of his creation. Now, if we were to go back and we were to actually base this on attributes, as, as people have done throughout the years, base it on rationality or physical ability, what does that say about the worth or dignity of somebody with dementia? What does that say about somebody who is born with some sort of disability? Are they worth less? The Bible's very clear that's not true. 
The Bible is very clear that everybody is of equal dignity. But we look at, there's, there's a quote from Peter Singer, who is he's an evolutionist, he's a philosopher. And he said, newborn human babies have no sense of their own existence over time. So killing a newborn baby is never equivalent to killing a person. That's awful, right? <laughs> I think everybody can sit here and look at that and say, that's terrible. That is evil. But where did he go wrong in that? He placed the worth and dignity on rationality. How rational is a newborn baby? Any parents out here know there is zero rationality in a newborn baby. My youngest is five, and I'm still waiting for it. But... When we base it on something outside of God's decree, things go terribly wrong. And we see this in smaller ways with abortion as well. We see this with their, the child's worth being based on whether or not the parents want the child. If they want to keep the baby, that baby's a joy and a blessing. If they don't want to keep the baby, that child is just a fetus, right? We, we give it different terms because we don't want to think of it in human terms. We see this in other ways. We see this in, in the history of racism. If we look back at Alexander Stevens, the vice president of the Confederacy, and a famous speech he gave, the Cornerstone speech, just a few weeks before the Civil War. He said, speaking of the Confederacy, its foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man. That slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. Again, we look at that and it's, it's pure evil. 100% evil. But where did he go wrong? He placed the worth and dignity on something outside of God's declaration. He placed it on this other attribute of the color of someone's skin. So taking that and fast forward to today, right? We have, we have these riots, these, these race relations that are just completely strained right now. And how do we as the church speak into that world? How do we as the church start to bring help? Now one thing I wanna make very clear is we do not diminish diversity and in individual individuals, right? We don't, we don't diminish this. People are each made unique. God is clear on that. And we can celebrate that diversity, but we don't celebrate that diversity until we have first affirmed our unity as being made in the image of God. And that is where so much of this goes wrong today. We want to celebrate that we're each different, and that's a good thing. That is a great thing that we are each different. We can each be used by God in different ways. But we can't do that until we have established a foundation that we are each unified as image bearers of God. So these are all kind of big concepts, right, that we've, we've gone over, the abortion, the race, the, um, all of this. But we also see sin against the image of God in, in just kind of the everyday. We see it in bullying. We see it in any kind of violence, slander, abuse, and especially... You know, we look today at uh, our online world, right? All these Facebook debates that people get in, all of this stuff, and it's so easy online to forget that on the other side is another human being made in the image of God. 
when it's just over the internet, it's really easy to dehumanize that other person. You see that also in pornography. It's the same exact thing. It's really easy to dehumanize that person on the other side of the camera that we are using for our own lust and sinful desires. They, too, are made in the image of God. And so the church... The church has got to lead the way in this. We've got to affirm our unity as being made in the image of God and then celebrate the uniqueness of each individual and then celebrate culture and diversity. But it's all based on this foundation that God established in Genesis 1 of all of us being made in the image of God. So we all carry within us the same undistorted, dignity that comes from being made in his image and the same potential destiny of shining forth his glory just as the perfect image of God Jesus does black, white, hispanic rich, poor, all of these classes that we set up Every single person in every single one of those is made in the image of God, and we all have that same foundation. And that is where we place the dignity, the worth, the respect that we treat each person with. And God wants every single one of us, believers, unbelievers, to be transformed into his image. Now, we all know that the only way for that to happen is for us all to come to Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can fix that glass, who can have those crown jewels shining forth the glory of God in their full radiance. But God wants all. And that's part of our responsibility as the church is to speak truth into this world, to speak truth about what it means to be made in the image of God into this world and to tell people about the best and truest image. I want to close today with a quote um, Derek actually, I think, closed with a quote from C.S. Lewis, too, which I told him afterwards cracked me up because I had this one in my... I really did have this one in my message beforehand. <laughs> but C.S. Lewis says, It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses to remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Keep that in mind. We don't talk to mere mortals. We talk to people who bear the image of God, who have that crowning glory within them. Every single person you talk to, online, in person, doesn't matter. Father, thank you for um, just this, this reminder that every person around us bears the image that you placed in them not because of any attribute outside of purely your declaration, God, that they are worthy of dignity and respect and honor. God, I pray that you would help us to love those around us in the way that you have loved us. Father, glorify yourself in our lives and help us to just keep these truths within us. In Jesus' name, amen.